welcome along to this edition of What's the Chat with myself, Alison Creek. And myself, John Wood. And don't forget, now you can sit in the restaurant, have a meal, you can sit outside and have a frothing pint of a cold draught lager. Lovely, lovely. And we're going to do that later this week, aren't we? Because we yeah, haven't we actually yeah. seen each other for such a long time. I'm a bit worried about that, actually, because my stamina is not going to be good. Don't you worry you now. about that. I'll help you out wherever I can, because <laughs> that's what friends are for. <laughs> Thanks. You're all heart. Well, we've got a good show lined up for you this week. We are going to be hearing in depth from Andrew Cotter, who's also going to be introducing the lovely Mabel to us. Olive and Mabel, of course, are his two Labradors. And Andrew is frankly a sensation on the internet with his videos but he also has covered some of the biggest sports events in the world so he'll be chatting about that and giving us a bit of an insight into uh, into him and it's it's jolly amusing isn't it John? Oh it's good it's very good I tell you, it must be quite daunting because his first golf commentary was with Seve Ballesteros can you imagine the nerves <sighs> with that you know it's like yeah. all of a sudden I'm sitting next to my hero and we're doing a commentary oh wow. And also he talks about how he he first got into sports broadcasting and uh, just the journey that he's been on. Of course, uh, right up to the, the present day, he talks about some appearances he's going to be making in Scotland over the summer. And uh, we are delighted to say we have a copy of his book, Olive, Mabel and Me, uh, to give away during this week's podcast. So all you need to do is listen to the interview and uh, Andrew will talk about his inspiration for starting the videos, which uh, refer to a comedy programme that was out quite some time ago. If you could hear that part of the podcast and you would like to have a chance to win the book then send the answer as to what the name of that comedy show is to what's the chat podcast at gmail.com and we will announce the winner this time next week you know what's you know what the problem is technically the problem is i have upgraded my uh, my wi-fi um, I got talked into it. I was going to leave them and they went, no, don't leave. Don't leave. We'll we'll give you faster Wi-Fi and it'll be cheaper and it'll be lovely and we love you and, and you can have a new Wi-Fi box and it'll be super and shiny and delightful. And being a muggins, I went, yeah, great. Thanks very much. And uh, ever since I made that decision, the new shiny box arrived. My Wi-Fi has been crap. It's really irritating because you know these people are just they're blowing smoke up your bum because they want you to sign on the dotted line and that's exactly what they did and that's exactly what I did it's a bloody shambles bloody shambles Uh, I was having a wee look at there's a book out it's all about what attorneys say in court and a couple of them are brilliant this one for example was an attorney talked to a doctor who says doctor before you performed the autopsy did you check for a pulse doctor uh, no did you check for blood pressure no did you check for breathing no so then it is possible that the patient was alive when you began the autopsy no how can you be so sure doctor because his brain was sitting on my desk in a jar The other one that I really liked was, uh, yeah, the attorney. Uh, Can you describe the individual? He was about medium height and had a beard. Attorney, was this a male or female witness? (laughs) Unless the circus was in town, I'm going to go with male. (laughs) Way back in the 60s in Aberdeen, it was in the court and there'd been a fishing boat uh, from Germany in and, uh, you know, they had arrested a couple of the fishermen for whatever reason. They were up in court and the... Judge said, um, you know, there was a trans, I couldn't get a translator. It's like, does anybody in the courtroom speak German? And this guy put his hand up, I speak speak German. It's like, great, well, can you come forward, please, and translate? So, judge says, so uh, could you confirm, please, what time it was at, uh, you came off the boat and went into the bar on Albert Street on the night of the 16th of May. So the guy turns around and he goes, right, 
Can you tell me what time you came out of the boat and got into the pub on the 16th of May? <laughs> Apparently, as God is my witness. I don't know why I'd say that in an Irish accent. Uh, that's the truth. There was one, I remember, when there was a sort of uh, young scallywag in the, in the dock and uh, his pals were up in the balcony and they're all chewing away. And the judge uh, said, a clerk of the court, can you come over here, please? And the clerk of the court went over and says... Uh, can you please tell these boys to stop masticating in my court? And the clerk of the court stood up to the boys and went, Boys, hands at your pockets. <laughs> What's the chats with Alison Craig and John Woods? Well, it's time we played the chat that John and I had with Andrew a few days back. You'll hear my technology lets me down. I jump in and jump out and... I thought I'd leave that in because it's quite funny. Uh, and also, Andrew, we thought, would come along to the studio on his own. But he was joined by a very glamorous blonde, four legs and a big black nose. I have to describe that Mabel is here. She's quite needy, Mabel, and she's in a good way. I like needy. I like needy dogs that just need a bit of attention all the time because we need, we need it as well. So she's snuffling into the microphone a little bit. Oh, and she just needs constant attention. Um, so she's here. Olive is doing her own thing at the moment. Um, you sneeze quite a bit, don't you? Oh, she's And lovely. how did the idea come up, Andrew? The original idea just came up from... Well, actually, I've, I've no shame in saying that. I remember watching a sketch show back in the 90s, Big Train, which is a brilliant sketch oh, show yeah. with um, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg and everyone. Yeah, mm. exactly. And they did a sketch in that, which was which was the World Steering Championships. And it was done in sort of cartoon form. And But they had Barry Davis voicing it. And, and the, the humour of it was in that it was sports commentary delivered as you know as if it were the most serious event in the world as if it were a Wimbledon final or the Olympics or whatever it might be and so Barry Davis was giving it the full reverential treatment and just all these little ticks and phrases of sports commentary delivered over um, two people having the world steering championships and um, what are you eating there? Oh that's your bone you're allowed to eat that um, so that was where the idea came from and then I suppose the actual sort of um, uh, prompt to do it came from the fact that all all my work disappeared and, and I was having a, a laugh at myself really just saying like this is what I'm reduced to as a sports broadcaster um, commentating on these two and it was the reason it took off it was sort of a perfect storm, but the reason it, it took off really is because we were all in that strange situation and we were laughing at the surreal. And if Olive and Mabel is anything, this, the videos that have come since and continue to go on, it's, it's, a, it's a nod to surreal comedy. And you like to create another reality, don't you? Because the, one, the reality we've got at the moment isn't much fun. So let's create a parallel universe where I, not a parallel universe where I talk to my dogs because I do that in this universe, but a parallel universe where... I understand them entirely and I have conversations with them and I play poker with them or whatever it might be. <laughs> I did enjoy the, the gym session <laughs> you were trying to coax them into with the, particularly the lineup of different sized sticks against uh, the wall. There's going to be something in the video that people, you know, they just, yeah, exactly. They're still there. They're still there up against the wall in, in what is <laughs> my home gym. We've all got home gyms now. And, and so it's capturing something of the, I'll use the word, the zeitgeist, but it's capturing something of the feeling that we all have at the moment and the things we're going through. And that's why, you know, the Zoom meeting one was so popular and that was back in, what, May or <laughs> last year or so, because we suddenly were all living online on these ridiculous Zoom sessions. And so why not, yeah, put, put the dogs in there as well. So it's, it's trying to capture that without ever going near politics or serious, serious matters because there's enough serious stuff in the world that people are trying to get away from. So I, I've always wanted it to just be a bit of an escape from, from everything else. 
Oh, and I see you've gone. Is that is that my signals going here? Hang on a second. Let me turn on. No, I've got my Wi-Fi turned off. Alison, you've frozen. Alison's frozen. But in quite an elegant pose, though, I can see her on the screen. So it's sort of a series of shots of Alison. <laughs> she can probably hear us mocking her gently. Um, meanwhile, Mabel has come up and just rested her head on my on my arm. So this is what you have to do in sports broadcasting occasionally. Just fill time whilst I'm waiting for the more dramatic stuff to happen. So just describe anything around you. You can't eat that. Leave that alone. Yeah, Mabel's now asking if she can go up on the sofa. Or no, she's just eating something on the sofa. Slightly worrying that it's uh, that there is something there for her to eat. You grew up in Ayrshire, obviously. Um, I mean, golf in your blood. In fact, one time you were going to become professional, weren't you? Well, I was. I mean, it was a it was a sort of pipe dream of a youngster who loved sport and and golf was my passion. And I thought, yeah, I'd love to be a professional. But I realised at quite a young age that I wasn't. Um, well, a young age. I realised about seventeen or so that I was nowhere near good enough. And so, yeah, I did. I did actually briefly toy with the idea. I went down to see Bob Jemison, who was the professional at Turnberry at the time. And he said, well, there's a job for you here if you want it. And I said, I was actually going to turn pro, but I would have been uh, a terrible professional golfer. I'd have been doing all the things that pro golfers do when they're not good enough to play on tour. So it wouldn't have been, um, you know, the glamorous lifestyle that you think of as a professional sportsman when you're young. So I, I, I left that. I had one outing for Scottish schoolboys against England. And uh, and we lost, and that was about as good as it got for me. I was going to take you back to 2004. You were, you were at Troon, and who were you commentating along beside one of your boyhood heroes, Seve Ballesteros? Oh, yes. Well, Seve was there. Yeah, so Seve had a a, a short spell as a, a commentator at the BBC because Seve was... Brilliant. He was a magician. He had such a, um, uh, an aura, a personality. He was one of the greats of sport, but his, uh, you know, his, his, his English was not tremendous. So he, he would always try and explain things and it wouldn't come out necessarily the way he wanted. He was much better at just sort of showing and doing than, um, than trying to explain. So our paths crossed, but briefly I had, I I once had a, a great bunker lesson from Seve. Um, wow. It's those encounters over, over a career that you look back on and you think that's, you know, very fortunate to, to meet some, some greats of sport. Not all sports people live up to your idolization of them as well. Um, if that is even a word, which I possibly just made up, but you know, sometimes you meet sports people do one thing repetitively over and over and over again and they're brilliant at it, but it doesn't necessarily make them tremendously rounded people. But Seve had a bit of charisma off the course as well. Peter Alice is 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 right up there and sadly missed after he he, he left us last December. He was uh, he was as you found him on the microphone and he was great company. He was a great storyteller, great um, raconteur, big personality, and he had such wonderful timing. And um, you know, some people when they listened in the modern era would go, "Oh, he's out of touch." With I don't care. He was he was absolutely brilliant at his his art of commentary. And you you pick up things from these people that you work with. And uh, again, getting to follow him work with him and follow him um, and also you know following the likes of Bill McLaren these were the voices of their sport Mm, uh, mm. which you won't get anymore because there are so many different channels cover all the sports so um, it's just uh, yeah these are the voices I grew up with listening and and when I was watching golf or rugby so to to meet them and to work with them is obviously always going to be a thrill 
uh, do you still live in Scotland? I live in uh, I live in Cheshire. I've lived in England now for since I went down to start work at the BBC in 2000. I was in London for 12 years and then moved to to Cheshire in yeah 2011 or so. So, but all my family's still in Trun. Um, so I go back there, up there as often as I can, and as often as I can at the moment is not at all. So mm-hmm. um, it's been that has been hard as it has been for so many people because I live for getting back up to to the mountains as well, you know, and uh, I haven't been able to do any of that. Absolutely. And the dogs, they'll be missing their big walks they up like the their hills. Trips. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's one of the joys of the job that it's not sort of regular hours. So usually you can go during a week and, and get things when they're a bit quieter. I'm not sure the British countryside is going to be quiet for a while now. It's going to be all uh, st- staycations and uh, glamping. So, but absolutely, as you said, it's about the dogs love it. They love getting out into the, the countryside as much as we do. And I'm sure they enjoy having having us at home a lot just now, but, um, you know, they'll miss the great outdoors as much as we all do. I mean, I think uh, this is this past year's underlined as well to many people how much fun and how much of a companion a dog is. I mean, I have, I've always had dogs and I cannot imagine life without one, especially over the past year. Oh, I mean, honestly, without, I wrote in, in, um, the book that I would, I wouldn't have known what I'd have done. I mean, apart from making the videos, you know, so that's one thing I would have done. Even without all that, I wouldn't have known what I'd have done because they are so important for your, it sounds quite grand and quite serious, but so important for your mental health because you come back and you just mm-hmm. scratch an ear or stroke a domed head and just chat to them. And you're chatting to some creature that has no idea about what's going on in the world. All they care about is that they're with you, that they get some food, that they get somewhere warm to sleep and they're happy. And, and so when you talk to a dog and when you're with a dog, you're briefly escaping from all the all the worries and stresses of the human world that we are all too aware of mm-hmm. and that are so difficult at the moment. It did concern me that in an interview you did say you were watching repeats of Heart to Heart. (laughs) (laughs) So we did, and the Golden Girls and lots of friends as well. And Heart to Heart was something I grew up with. And you you watch it now and it's sort of cartoonish in its its style, but it's brilliant because it is... So was Stephanie Powers your first crush then? Stephanie Uh, Powers, still still a crush. Stephanie Powers and, um, and Robert Wagner and... It's total escapism. And it's also an escapism into a past, which we see now through that nostalgic, you know, lens as being much better and and more enjoyable. Actually, at the time, there are horrible things going on in the world as well. Not quite as um, global as we, we have with this issue. But, you know, we, we look to the past as just a, a much happier place. I think it was a simpler time. But bad yeah, so, hair though, generally. Yeah, yeah. Bad, well, big hair. I mean, big uh, hair, not yeah, necessarily. Okay. I look back on that enviously now, but <laughs> I don't know, but it, that's, you know, it, it is silly and it is, you know, utter utter nonsense, but it's totally escapism and just um, something to laugh at. To be honest, there's not many designer couples solve crime. Well, um, <laughs> no, not many. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. Dempsey and Makepeace. I mean, with I was maybe, just going to say Dempsey together. and Makepeace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Angela Lansbury. Um, did she get together with the the aging policeman in that? Oh, no, Cagney and Lacey. Did. But that's another story altogether. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, I love Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> love them all. But, yeah. um, but it's comfort in these old television programs and old films. And now, whenever you watch something that's even been made, you know, beyond two years ago, you look at people going into cafes and restaurants and city life and life going on as normal and you think oh god yes that's that's what it was like and that's it what it will weird. be like again yeah. but it's because we've become so institutionalized and this is 
how life is just now and it feels like it's always been like this. Of course it'll change and it'll be back to normal again. It'll take some time, but, you know, you adapt. But, you know, the, the funny thing is as well, as before this all happened, I I love Mad Men, you know, the, the yeah. and uh, I felt like I'd smoked 40 fags at the end of each episode, you know, because absolutely everybody's smoking all day, yeah. all night, first thing in the morning, in the middle of the night, wake up and have a couple of fags. And it's a bit like that now, because as you say, when you see crowds together, all, you know, even just walking along a pavement during rush hour or something, it gives you a oh, bit of a... You oh, you lucky, God. filthy people, look at you, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, you that's a super spreader right there. Yes, exactly. I'm more likely to be hiding under the bed with a mask on going, stay away from me. Well, it's, I mean, that's, that's the interesting part of this. I mean, I was mildly germaphobic before all this. Um, I've always, uh, since I started doing the broadcasting, whenever, I, and in particular as a freelance broadcaster, if you get a cold or worse still flu, then you can't work and you don't get paid. Or if you lose your voice, you can't work. Um, so I was, got mildly germaphobic. And then this happens. And I, got, I don't know what any of us are going to be like coming out of this because there are some people even now who don't, you know, don't care. They're, you know, it's bravado or foolishness or whatever, that they are just living their lives as they were before. But for a lot of people, there is going to be a sort of a feeling of agoraphobia about going back out there into the world at large, getting on planes, going to airports, going you know, train stations, on train, crowded buses, whatever it might be. It'll take a little bit of mental fortitude, I think, from people to to get back out there and say, no, we've just got to get back to the way yeah. we were. I mean, I think if you're in a pub and a guy sneezes next to you, you're going to have a heart attack. Well, I would—I mean, that would have been me finished long before the pandemic. I would have somebody sneezed on me. I got uh, i got proper flu. You know, you, you very rarely get proper flu. Um, and I was coming back through Charles de Gaulle after doing a rugby match and I got... Um, and there were people coughing and spluttering everywhere and I thought, oh, I'm doomed. And lo and behold, a few days later, a couple of days later, came down and, you know, proper flu, you're in bed for five days and just, just absolutely Weak. ruined. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that's you know, similar to most, most people get the effects of COVID. So it's a, you know, it's, I was about to say that's been one of the, can we have positive offshoots of a global pandemic? In that, have you, when was the last time you had a cold? Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had one because nobody's making contact with anybody. Yeah, so, yeah. That's God bless true. this pandemic. We haven't had colds. <laughs> Do you think when this all calms down, which hopefully is, is, you know, beginning to happen now, that the world of the commentator will be much smaller now, now that it's so easy and everybody knows technologically you can sit in a remote location and do your job. Wow. For instance, I was listening to you, you did the athletics um, a couple of weeks ago and I thought, oh, I wonder if he's there or if he's sitting well, at home in his so, boxers. So we have always done, we have, we have always done some off-tube commentary. Now, there are certain companies like Eurosport, their model would be to do off-tube commentary, um, which is commentary off a monitor in a studio rather than be at the event. That's that's Most of their commentary is done that way, has always been done that way. So the pandemic wouldn't have changed things too much. But for the BBC, who I largely work for the BBC, you, you, you're always at the events. It's very, very rare that you would be commentating off tube. But obviously now you're doing a lot of commentary off tube. Now the athletics was a classic case of we weren't allowed to travel to Poland. Most of the Six Nations games have been done still in the stadiums. But you, yes, you can do off tube commentary and a lot of people still think you're there. As long as you don't say we're in the arena here or we're in the stadium, as long as you don't say we're not in the arena, people just believe what they want to believe. You can make it sound as if you're there. 
But while you can do off-tube commentary, there are things you miss because you're totally then beholden to what the director is showing you. And it might be a local director. Well, it will be a local director. So, for example, at, well, at the rugby, you might be hoping for a wide shot of how the back line is lining up, but you can't see it because the director is just showing you, you know, the closer confines of the forwards or the mall or whatever. And you can't get the feel of the stadium. And at the athletics there, I was doing uh, one event. It was the men's heptathlon, as it is indoors. And it starts with a 60 metres flat. The second day starts with a 60 metres hurdles. And I had it in my head that it was the first day started with a 60 hurdles. Now, of course, they hand to me, and I'm, I've got it in my head, it's the hurdles, and they're going down the line of the athletes, and it's just close up, close up, close up. You cannot see the track. And I'm saying, look out for Jorge Arena here, the Spaniard, the defending champion. He's got such great hurdling technique. You'll get to the first barrier quickly. And then the first time you see the track is when the gun goes and they go, and I'm going, shit, where's the, where's the hurdle? Where's, oh, God, no, it's the flat. And there's no getting out of that. But of course... If you're in the arena, you'd have seen a long time ago that there were no barriers. So it's it's far easier to make mistakes and be caught out when you're commentating off tube. But as you say, that might be a model going forward because it can be cheaper. Actually, sometimes it can cost more because of the, the, the feeds that you have to buy, the satellite feeds, etc. And the infrastructure you have to put in place. But also, I think there'll be less travel as well because of the ecological, environmental impact of flying everyone to events. That's becoming a big issue as well. So it's not good to commentate on, but it might become more and more of a of a sort of idea. And the following twelve months is that shaping up in terms of the you know the contracts that you've got and the events that are penciled in? I suppose at this stage, are you looking quite optimistically at what the next few months is going to bring? Well, looking optimistically. In terms of it being the same events, and they will happen. Wimbledon, the Open, the Olympics—they will all it's fantastic happen. Fantastic array of events. It, yeah. it, it is, it is, and so I, this will sound incredibly churlish. All of those will be done. Actually, no, the Open and Wimbledon will be done on site. Everything else is going to be done. You know, imagine doing the Masters. The Masters, where you're in Augusta, and you get the feel of the place, and you can. You know, and, and people will be listening to this going, yes, you just enjoy the holidays. No, I promise you it's, it's hard work, but it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to convey the feeling of the masters when you're commentating from Salford, but that's yes. the way, that's the way of it now. And, um, but it's exactly the same as it is for everyone else in, in all their jobs. Jobs have changed and they're not quite as enjoyable as they would have been in the past. They will be again. We've just got to get through this period of time where we're, we're working from home or from studio. What's your favourite to commentate on, Andrew? Oh God, it's um. I mean, they're they're all my children. I love them all. Um, <laughs> dogs commentating on dogs. No, the the two high high pace sports of the ones I do are rugby and athletics. And when you get a big big crowd in a huge stadium and a great race or a great match, then that's very difficult to beat. Now golf is a very different cadence and tempo and feel to it. But then you get great moments in that, and at the end of majors or in Ryder Cups. Tennis, you get a wonderful match on, on, on centre court at Wimbledon, and that's really about bringing the occasion, so that's different. But but in tennis commentary, you're, you're saying far less, and you're coming in with just a bit of a, a turn of phrase or an exclamation at the end of a point, and you're talking at the change of ends, whereas in rugby and athletics, you are going with the flow of the game, and you're riding along on the, on the noise of the stadium, and those are the ones that you really get caught up in. So I think they're probably 
my most enjoyable ones to commentate on. Um, but I, but I do love all the, all the sports, and they're also very different in terms of commentary. I mean, I remember going back. Well, I don't know how many years. It must be twenty years anyway. Um, sitting in a studio with you, and I, <laughs> I remember you specifically. Yeah, Scott FM. Yeah, and I do remember you sitting there because uh, you were doing sport and news, and you were saying, "All I want." to do is be a sports commentator. I was going, <laughs> go on then. What are you waiting for? Well, and then the next thing I see, there you are. So what What did you do? Well, the interesting thing was, so I had no idea what I wanted to do in terms of a job when I was at school or at university or for a year after university when I was working in Regano in Glasgow as a waiter. And I, I then thought, well, I'd, I'd quite like to do something with language. So I got into... Um, Broadcasting, as it happens, I actually applied for a news job initially um, and offered a written journalism job as well and took the broadcasting route. But then when I started working at Scott FM, they didn't have, as as, as you will know, they didn't have any actual rights. Um, they were sort of... Um, they were sort of paring down. They'd just been taken over, and I think they were being flipped, as the Americans would say. They were being just sort of um, run on uh, on the cheap, so they could then be sold on cost cost cutting. And that's why we were there, Alison. We were cost cutting <laughs> measures. Um, but then, so they didn't have any actual sports rights, so you didn't get to do commentary. What you did was you went to a match, maybe, and did some you did some updates, did some reports, did some interviews, did some bulletin reading. But then, to get the chance to do sports commentary, it was a case of I had to go to to London to somewhere that had had the rights, but also because I wasn't, I was never hugely into football, and everything in Scotland in terms of sports broadcasting, certainly at that time and predominantly now, was football. It was the old firm, or maybe a bit of Hearts and Hibs. So that's what I was doing, and I, but I was thinking I'd love to be doing, you know, golf or athletics or tennis or whatever it might be, or rugby definitely. And, I, and the chances were few and far between at uh, at Scott FM. So just made the move to London. Well, it was the right move as it transpired. It's been it's been wonderful to see how well you're doing, and I'm sure we'll continue to do. Um, I did well look at. I've got a copy of all of Mabel and Me: Life and Adventures with two very good dogs. Sometimes very good dogs. Sometimes very good dogs. A very loved dogs, certainly. Yeah. Um, when you're on the road, where do they go? Well, uh, I have an understanding uh, partner who was in the sports broadcasting. She was an editor, um, BBC Radio, um, so. Usually they're at home with her, but if, uh, if, if she's somewhere else or, uh, then they'll go into kennels, got very good kennels and kennels sounds like a cold Spartan place, but, um, the kennels that they go to, they, you know, get, you pay for it, you end up paying for an executive room and uh, they've got beds to sleep on <laughs> and, and television in the car. Oh, it's ridiculous. They're very happy there, but that's very rarely that they're there. There's usually somebody else to look after and sometimes they do come to events very rarely, but occasionally they will come to events as well and just sort of uh, potter around. I was yep. going to ask you that because I, I know that there are, again, pencilled in, I believe, and do correct me if I'm wrong, that you might be heading up to Scotland um, to do some bits and bobs this summer and talk about the book and uh, appear in a couple of festivals. I'm getting I mean, nosed to death by Mabel here. Because uh, <laughs> I stopped stroking her. Time so. for a walk or um, a biscuit. No, or she didn't know she just wants attention. That's all she wants. I'll give you, hang a second, just wait there. There, there are three that I'm doing. One is North Berwick. One is the Boswell Festival, which is Dumfriesway, uh, which is, I think, the 13th of June. And then there's one in Kilcreggan, which is up near, uh, which is actually yeah, where my grandmother used to live. So I'm travelling around a little bit. It's, it's funny, it's, uh, we, we missed out on all of that. I mean, everybody missed out on all of that. So 
you know, I did a few online sessions when the book came out, mm-hmm. but you missed out on the sort of fun of going with the dogs to do book signings in shops or going to festivals. And that's part of bringing a book out is all that's the fun bit once you've written it. Especially when it's, you know, with your two best pals. Well, exactly. I mean, and actually people in America have said when you're over at the Ryder Cup, because I think we will be going out to that one uh, by then in September, said, can you come and do some um, some signings and and I said, well, I can, but the dogs won't be there. And then the line goes quiet and they say, oh, okay, <laughs> the, the emails stop because all they're interested in is seeing the dogs. And I'm, I totally understand that. Uh, listen, the dogs are the stars. And uh, people would say, who are you again? <laughs> uh, well, oh, I, uh, not at yeah. all. You know, you're kind of the new Bill McLaren. Your voice is instantaneously recognisable. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, commenters, commentators out there, but you immediately go, there's Andrew. And, there's Andrew. you know, yeah. your enthusiasm and the Stop way that. that you describe and you use some great Scottish language and great Scottish words when you're doing it. And I know you won't be doing that intentionally. It's just your vernacular and the way that you talk. Uh, and that must be a nice... Um, what's the word? Baton to have taken. Yeah, on. no, definitely. But it, but it's it's I, sports broadcasting has changed so much in terms of the number of channels that cover sports. So there there is no more the voice of rugby, Bill McLaren, or the voice of golf, Peter Alice, or or the voice of Formula One, Murray Walker. They, there are so many different voices of us, our sport. And because I do so many different sports, you wouldn't necessarily associate me with one. Although some people would, because some people might just watch that one sport and say, "Oh, you're mm. the rugby commentator," or "Oh, you're the golf commentator," or "You're the you're the dog talker." Um, so, um, but but you know, taking on the baton from from Bill McLaren, you, you can never do that. All you can do is try to be yourself as well. So I come from from Ayrshire. Bill McLaren is Hoyk, born and bred, and was very had a very borders accent and terminology and these homespun phrases and he sounded beautiful so you couldn't there's no point in trying to copy that you just try and be yourself mm-hmm. and you try and come up with your own way of describing things but don't go um heavily into metaphors as you know just do your own thing and um and see what you come up with find your own find your own voice um i think that's the most important thing the I mean, prep routine the same for all the sports that you it's do. the same in that it's 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 <laughs> torture. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, some of it's torture and some of it's really enjoyable because you love the sports. So you're going, oh yeah, of course they did that this season, or they did that, or she did this, or whatever it might be, um, and you get interested in it, and and you go down rabbit holes though with the internet because you'll end up focusing on like athletics. There are so many athletes that you've got to do notes on you think of the number of races and the number of people involved in each race and the number of heats and semi-finals and final and every time you've got to have something to say about it and you'll you'll be doing your prep for hours and you'll find this interesting athlete in, in one of the heats from Burkina Faso and you'll you'll do some internet prep on them and then you'll just go down this deep dive for it and you'll find that half an hour has passed in this athlete and then you never get to see them in the lane lineup and you've <laughs> wasted all your time. And you're now Wikipedia. Uh, you're, it's, the, the internet is a marvellous thing in terms of doing prep but it's also uh, it's also trouble as well because it's uh, if you want to be concise and get things done then the internet is not a place to be. And of course Sometimes then I'm doing my prep on a race or a big match and you end up just watching watching videos of dogs on YouTube instead because you've been dragged off. <laughs> well, we off blame you now. for that, actually. Yeah, so most of them have been made by it. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just watch yourself in a loop, really. And yeah. You're entertained, very entertained. So as things, the world reverts back to whatever normal it will be, I hope you're going to keep going with 
obviously the lovely Olive and Mabel. First of all, people say, I wish you'd do more of the videos. A couple of reasons why that doesn't happen. Firstly, don't do too many of them because the joke wears thin. Also, you want them to be of a certain quality. If you put out something every day or every other day or even even every week, it might just be ones where people go, yeah, that's that's fine. That's not as... I always want them to be of a certain standard. I dread the day where people come back and say, oh, you've kind of lost it a bit there because you always want to go out on top. But also, it's very difficult well, certainly for me it is, to come up with videos. And I get people suggesting ideas and they go, yeah, but you don't know the practicalities of how to get, how to film that. And, you know, it sounds strange talking in filmmaker tones about filming, making dog videos, but you've got to think about it in those terms. You say, right, okay, I've got an idea for a video. I've got an idea for what I might say in that video. Then if you're working with actors, human actors, you know they can hit their marks and do the things that you want of them. But of course, dogs do what dogs want to do. So the, you, you, you'll you be going along. I mean, the, I've got a thousand outtakes on my phone of things that didn't quite work. And they'll be working for 30 seconds or so. And then Mabel will stare out the window when she's supposed to be wagging her tail and looking at me or whatever. And sometimes you bin it and sometimes you use it and just adapt what you're saying. I mean, the, the early videos were sort of beautiful in their simplicity because it was me filming my dogs and commentating on them. And largely as it happened as well, you know, so there wasn't much production work went into it at all. Whereas recently you make them into little sketches and they become productions. I didn't own green bays, a green bays table. I had to buy that for the poker night thing. So <laughs> you end up buying, buying props. And what's this for? It's for, you know, I had a, I had a cigar that I was going to put on the table as well. I don't smoke. I had to buy a cigar. But then I thought, well, people might say, oh, that's a bad example to be setting. You worry about the reaction of the online community as well. So it goes through a strong vetting process. There's a, a appropriate yeah, it must word. be pressure, actually. Because oh, oh, as you say, the horrible. first one, I looked today and there's over 22 and a half million uh, views on the first. And the others are all, you know, incrementally, they're huge. But knowing that, it's like the first album or the first book. Well, do you know what? Big... It's, it's, I, I probably, and it sounds a bit too uh, up myself to be saying it's just like somebody coming up with a song. But I promise you... It, it it is because like that first video. Well, the first video actually didn't get didn't get quite that many. It had eleven million on Twitter, which was the dogs eating their breakfast. The second one went up to about twenty one million on Twitter, which was the Game of Bones one, and then you know millions for the the um, the walk of shame, just Mabel standing in a pond, and then the Zoom meeting, and so I mean overall there have been about eighty million views across all across all the videos, and and it's. And you think, well, there's no way. I remember after the first video thinking, well, there's no way I can do a second because it's not going to top that. And it actually did. But then after the second, you think, well, there's no way you can you can come up with something. But you you also get slightly addicted to it. And because you you, you enjoy making them and you enjoy the, the reception they get. And you enjoy the fact that they're making people laugh and making people happy. And seeing that throughout this whole horrible year has been, has been really important. But you're absolutely right, Alison. The... Genuinely, and again, it sounds there's there's real pressure for people in the world just now. So this is not this is again all absolutely relative. But I've all I felt huge pressure throughout to come up with something else for my own sort of um, peace of mind, but also because people are saying, "Where's the next video?" God, I love these videos, and so it's um, it's it's not easy because I've had a couple of ideas that have been 
what I in my head as well were crackers, and there's one in particular that I really do want to get get done, but it's hit some stumbling blocks, uh, mm-hmm. and it might be a nice one to go out on just uh, <laughs> say farewell, because you can't yeah. carry on making them forever. Because I mean, there have been 21 videos now. I think. Gosh. Um, yeah, go to YouTube and lose yourself for an afternoon. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, so you've got it. You can't. You don't want to carry on making them, and people and they just fizzle out. Yeah, you go out on a high. I think is is the best way to do it. Well, don't do anything too dramatic for you. <laughs> it's me, Olive, and Mabel doing a Thelma and Louise and driving <laughs> yes, off, the cliffs. Right, yeah. off the white yeah. cliffs of doom. Oh, don't you yeah. give me an idea now? <laughs> okay. That's a difficult production, that one. Hang on. Well, if you need a, if you need another dog, you know, I've got uh, a wire a here, Dash Hound. Standing dog, yeah, exactly. Suddenly, so I'm chatting to Olive and Mabel, and then they're in the car, and I can see it now. So I'm filming there, and then you see the car from the back going over the cliff, and it's a wire here, Dachshund in there. People go, hang on a minute, what's, <laughs> what's going on there? That's right. The Kennel Club Dash Hound lot will be on you like <laughs> yeah, a ton exactly. of bricks. Oh, grand. Oh, well. Well, it's it's been really nice to catch up with you, Andrew. You know, it's been a long time. A long and, time uh, and recently very strange times. Very but, strange times. But I, okay. So I was mentioning my uh, when I wanted to be a golfer when I was younger. So the, the only, the, the, the absolute peak of my go- golfing career, which was not a peak at all, it's pathetic, was playing against, for Scotland schoolboys, against England schoolboys at North Berwick in 1991. Ah. Uh, but also um, the publishing company for the book... Um, uh, I've got strong ties to North Berwick Black and White Publishing. And the cover of the book, that's Berwick Law, Did, at five it? in the morning, July last year, because we had lots of mountain shots from my my career climbing with Olive and Mabel. And they were beautiful shots, but crucially, they said, you can't see the dog's faces and people need to see the faces of Olive and Mabel because invariably when we were up a mountain, they were looking at me because I was holding treats. So we had a lovely photo of me on top of Anchalach with the dogs or any number of spectacular pictures. But they said, no, you need to be able to see the face. I said, well, I haven't got any. And they said, right, go up and film something in the mountains. So we went up to try and get some photos in the mountains, didn't get the weather. It was horrible. Um and eventually we were running out of time and went to went to North Berwick. A photographer joined us up on the on Berwick Law, got up there at half past four in the morning for sunrise, and the light just came out enough to make it the guy took a wonderful shot. It was uh, it was beautiful. But yeah, that's that's Berwick Law. We'll do a signing on top of Berwick Law. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, look at the photo in the back of the book. Have you got the, if you got the book? Because that is a beautiful photo which you took, and that was on the beach at Berwick, because you can see, obviously, it's yeah. got um, Bass Rock in the background. So, And they made yeah. that into um, uh, a lovely poster, um, the publishing company. So oh, did uh, they? Oh, yeah, good. it's a beautiful shot. It's one of my favourites. So it's a... Yeah, strange time, but it was quite a nice time last last summer as well when it was yes. coming together. As you say, to get such a huge reception from the world in general for your your humour and uh, as well as your serious commentating, it's you know I think a lot of people thought that maybe you got someone to write the comedy uh, for oh, you, God, you know, no. for the dogs. <laughs> yeah, and, no. But it's it's very astute and very no, very, very dry good. and just bloody funny. Oh, no, something. Well, thank you. I mean, it's something I'm sort of. Um, I always wanted to be a sort of comedy writer, and it's uh, it's. Well, a, you are. <laughs> it's in a very small part comedy writing, but I suppose it is comedy writing in, in its own way. So I think with twenty-two million hits for just one video, you could call <laughs> yeah. yourself a comedy writer. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> Unless absolutely. the dogs wrote it, of course. Yeah. It's no, no, book. they didn't. Uh, some people thought I didn't write the book. I, there's another book as well. I've signed up to write another book. So oh, um, great. So that will be out in the autumn. So I've got to uh, I've got to knuckle down and get that get that Excellent. written. As well. Oh, well, we'll maybe get a chat with you then. Uh, then, yeah, round about that time, yeah. Round about that time, it would be great. 
Oh, thanks so much to Andrew Cotter. That was just lovely, wasn't it? And hearing the dog, Mabel, live, snuffling. Just love that dog. Yeah, and if you uh, listened to that and enjoyed it, you might enjoy a copy of his book. I'm sure you will. It's called All of Mabel and Me. And all you need to do is give us the name of the comedy show which he referred to there as being the inspiration for him to start the videos. Send it to what's the chat podcast at gmail.com and we'll announce the winner of the book this time next week. We, 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 we have decided that um, we listen to Grant start interviewing everybody else, don't we? Yeah, so we might as well interview him. So let's get him on next week. What do you say? Okay, we'll do that then. We'll do that. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like a plan. And until then, what are we going to say? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to say to you this week, which I haven't said for a while. I'll see you in the pub. I will. I know I'll, I'll see you in the pub. You I'll be standing beside a frothing pint of lager. So we'll and I'll be standing beside you ordering a frothing <laughs> pint of lager. So first one's on you, second one's on me, third one's on you, fourth one's on me. And the fifth one's on the floor. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. I think I'll sack that trumpeter.